This is Vin Armani of Cointext and Countermarkets, and you're listening to Milk from Coinspice. You're listening to Milk, Soothing Crypto's Burn, with host C. Edward Kelso from Coinspice.io. Your home for just spicy crypto things online. going on crypto savages this is your host c edward kelso editor-in-chief out at coinspice.io back with another fantastic episode of milk this time around i managed to snag none other hot off the presses fresh off the grill however you want to put it the brand new ceo of the brand new exchange coinflex it's mark lamb formerly of coinfloor the uk Uh, the longest-running UK crypto exchange. Uh, He's got this new project called, again, CoinFlex, where they're offering Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin, Ethereum, physically settled futures. It is super interesting. It's a brand-new twist on the futures idea. So I'm sure you've heard of, like, Bact that's set to enter the market. Um, uh, Well, of course, BitMEX. This CoinFlex idea is, uh, there's, there's a couple twists here that I think you're really, really going to like, or at least find super fascinating. Uh, Mark Lamb is a crypto OG. He's been in the space for a long, long time. He knows his stuff that comes you know, across right away. And he's affable, easy. It was a long day for this guy. Uh, this was his first full day uh, promoting the project. And I caught him at the very end of that. He graciously gave me some time and uh, from his offices in Hong Kong. I think you're really going to like the episode. You're going to learn a ton. I know that. Uh, we delve into the weeds of just about every aspect of this that you can think of. So sit tight. Sit back. Again, if you're vegan, I don't mind the almond milk thing. I'm not judging you. Pour yourself a tall glass here. Sit back. It gets a little spicy. Without any further ado, here's Mark Lamb, CEO of CoinFlex. Right, so again, thanks for coming on. Uh, it, <laughs> I, I can only assume this is your your first full day promoting the new CoinFlex project. Would, would that be right? Yep. Yep. Holy crap! Um, <laughs> this seems huge. Um, on, on our side of things, it just seems like a, a complete game changer. As cliche as that sounds. Um, Let's let's I guess get into it then. How um, how did CoinFlex come about? Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've sort of been in the space for almost six years. Um, started CoinFloor, uh, co-founded CoinFloor five years ago, and sort of two years ago we started realizing that futures were going to be a really big thing, um, and specifically um, we sort of realized that you know, cash settled futures, which there were, you know, a few at the time. And, the, you know, there have been different attempts to create futures exchanges throughout Bitcoin's history. Cash settled futures weren't really going to cut it. And just like in anything in, in the traditional future space, um, physical delivery was very important. Um, so kind of we, we'd been speaking with a number of prop traders and prop trading firms and their feedback was, you know, from early on, early in, in Bitcoin's history and our history, their feedback was physical delivery is essential for a successful futures market because at the end of the day, um, 
you need something to tie the futures to physical reality. And an index price is an incredibly risky thing to settle a futures contract based on. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we decided to set out to start a, a physically delivered futures exchange. And this was kind of uh, about two years ago. And then um, back in May, uh, 2018, we, we went live. That's crazy. Um, and, you know, did, I guess sort of the obvious question for us, um, in 2017, there was a whole bunch of uh, um, hype around uh, the, the Merck, uh, or I guess the, the Chicago guys coming in uh, from CBOE to um, uh, CME. And is, is that where they, I don't want to say failed, but is, is that where maybe they, they slipped up um, in the sense that they didn't do physically um, um, settled futures? Is, is that kind of where you guys think you have the edge? That's, uh, that's definitely part of it, although I would say that's only uh, one part of it. Um, the, the biggest problem for those exchanges is actually a low, low leverage. Um, they could have probably done okay had they created highly leveraged uh, cash-settled futures. But one, they had cash-settled futures, so anyone who was holding a large position has this big, big risk that they get manipulated and that the expiry gets manipulated. Um, you know, the, the Gemini auction is not something that's very actively traded. We were right. seeing a lot of traders critique that. Uh, in general, indexes can be manipulated. And so um, uh, even, even if you are not intending to manipulate them, one risk that you have as a professional trader trading a cash-settled future is that you are the beneficiary of uh, maybe someone else's manipulation or of or of a, a market movement, and it could look like you're manipulating the futures uh, index. Um, so this is the sort of thing where it's just a risk in a number of ways. You could be the victim of a manipulation, you could accidentally be the beneficiary, and then it all of a sudden looks like you were a perpetrator of manipulation. All of these things are a problem for prop trading firms, where when, you, when you're trying to arbitrage spot markets and futures markets, you're trying to buy spot and sell futures higher, Sure. Um, or sell a spot and buy futures lower. And that, that can be done very easy in a deliverable uh, future because any, any price discrepancy is a potential profit at expiry. And, and if, you, if you do get stuck with position, you can just hold to expiry. But holding to expiry a cash settled futures pro- uh, product is much, much riskier because obviously there's an index. Um, it's, it's, it's usually thinly traded. You have to trade out of that spot position at expiry and those spot markets are usually not very liquid. So if you're holding a large um, spot versus futures position, this this can cause you all sorts of trouble. Sure, sure. And so that's, as, as you say, a major difference. But also, you guys don't have to work through the CFTC necessarily um, because you're, well, you're choosing to go um, offshore. And yeah. uh, that seems... And when I first, you know, read that or, or heard that, I thought, uh-oh, uh, that's maybe going to set some alarm bells off. But then I thought about it a little bit more, and it actually seems like the exact right thing to do because it, it actually opens your, your exposure, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, crypto is a very global audience. So there's two strategies you can do as a, as a futures exchange. You can try to be regulated in one country and really hope that that country uh, is where all of the futures trading happens globally. Um, but 
you know, let's take the U.S. or Europe as an as examples. Um, mm-hmm. The U.S. is about four percent of the global population, and uh, it's a small percentage of crypto volumes for most for most global exchanges uh, that do touch the U.S. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, um, you can try to become regulated in a big mature market, uh, in which case you're going up against big and existing incumbents that already have these licenses, right. or you can just say, okay, well, we won't touch certain markets. We'll, we'll, we'll be careful and we'll avoid certain markets and we'll go after the offshore market, go after the, you know, the global market of, of potential futures traders um, and futures users as well, because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential usage of futures out there that, that isn't really possible or isn't really done today. And, and by being offshore, it allows us to deal with a much, much wider swath of people. If you're regulated, you can deal with one customer base very, very safely, but then you have to go and get regulated in another place. And often the, the regulations are actually not consistent with each other. So you've had, uh, you know, you've had different regulators these days in, in the derivatives world actually arguing with each other about one regulator imposing regulations over another country's financial services right, business. Right. Um, this, you know, Mifid being being part of that, and so this is the sort of thing where the best approach um, is, in our view, to stay offshore, um, and it's to basically make sure we can deal with customers who are happy, you know, happy to deal with an offshore exchange, which the crypto market mostly is. It's exactly. uh, you know, it's a very global connect, globally connected market, and everyone's, you know, it, it's it's based on trust, based on reputation in the space, based on who you're who your shareholders are based on who, what your procedures are, your policies, you know, how you're handling client funds, how you're handling these things, rather than being based on, you know, you've got this stamp from the government, which says you can offer, uh, you know, certain things. Right. And you're, you know, you guys are not exactly pirates, right? Because you've, you've been around, um, you're well known. Um, you, you come from a coin floor, which obviously is, uh, is part of the consortium here uh, for CoinFlex. And you guys have dealt with the UK and the FCA. And so you, you know from regulation. So is, is, this, is this new territory for you personally? Or is this something like, oh, man, we, we got both sides of this covered? No, exactly. I mean, CoinFloor's handled, you know, over a billion dollars worth of volume, uh, I think, in the last 12 months alone. So it's, it's wow. not, um, you know, and that's, and, that's, and that's in the British pound market. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not the sort of thing where any of this is new to us. We're, we're very, we're very familiar with how to run a crypto exchange. We've been, I've been doing it for five years. Um, we, our team has been, you know, involved in this for a long, long time. And, uh, and so, yeah, exactly. The background with CoinFloor is, is a really, really big part of it. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think you guys qualify as, if not the longest, uh, certainly one of the most uh, uh, pioneering in, in the exchange space, right? You guys have been around um, yeah, we're, we're the longest running exchange in the UK, right. the oldest exchange in the UK. Yeah, that's crazy. And um, so you're, you're starting out at least, um, which I found also really, really interesting, is that you're focusing on the Asian market. And yeah. you, you said, uh, kind of alluded to it or foreshadowed uh, the idea earlier when you said the US is only, you know, um, a, a significant chunk, but not, you know, the whole world, which is crushing for us Americans. But um, the idea is, of course, that Asia is, it, it has blown my mind. 
uh, especially during 2017 when we saw the South Korean premium, we saw all that sort of stuff. So is it your hope? I mean, obviously it is, but is it your hope that you're going to bring whoever left back into that market again uh, with, by focusing in on Asia or I should ask why, why Asia? Yeah. I mean, one of the simplest answers to that question is most people live here. Most people in the world uh, live in Asia. So, um, you know, crypto is not something for, at the end of the day, there's a lot of folks that have really good banking systems. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of folks that have um, pretty stable currencies. Uh, And then there's, you know, large swaths of the world that have, challenges with cross-border payments, challenges with their currencies, challenges moving money out of the country, challenges um, with, uh, you know, base, you know, certain, certain parts of financial services and, um, and just simple, you know, simple things in finance that people, people need to do. Um, we're really excited about Asia because it's, it's, somewhere, uh, it's somewhere we think futures can actually be used. Yeah, that, I, that, I, something I, I totally didn't think about. And the Asian markets, so you're, you're based in Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Okay. And so Hong Kong seems to be where money is going. So in the United States, we've all but shut out um, initial public offerings. Uh, we're kind of crowding out. It's just so litigious and so hyper-regulated, um, what, you know, what's your sense of, I mean, obviously you guys have, have, uh, have incorporated off, offshore, but um, how, is, how is being situated in Hong Kong um, advantageous for you? Yeah, I mean, again, from, yeah, no, exactly. We're, from an incorporation and from a legal perspective and in terms of who the customers are facing, it's, it's, a, it's an entity in Seychelles. Um, being physically right. based in Hong Kong is great because we're, you know, the proximity to a, a huge customer base, whether that's Japan or, or, you know, different parts of Asia is, is fantastic. Um, in terms of the Hong Kong government, I think they're taking a very balanced and very measured approach towards crypto in general, um, futures specifically, and also ICOs. I mean, there, there have been a lot of scams in the ICO space. Um, right, right. A lot of people have, have been defrauded. A lot of people have been have lost, you know, lost huge amounts of money. Um, you know, Hong Kong's not taking that lightly and they, you know, they are, they are cracking down on that. Um, when it comes to derivatives, there's a few exchanges that have their offices here and, and Hong Kong does seem to welcome that. So that's, you know, that's really exciting to us. Um, and, and, you know, to the extent that that stays true, we're, we're really, really excited to be in Hong Kong. I think, um, this is, this is one of the first times where, you know, Hong Kong, fut- uh, uh, you know, a, a futures platform that, that has some, some level of uh, physical presence in Hong Kong is actually taking a, a, big, a big shot at the global stage, you know, with, with some of the other, other platforms here. So it's, it's really becoming a center for crypto trading. And I think many jurisdictions will specialize in different things. You know, the U.S. will specialize in certain things. Um, China, obviously, is, is a big, big center of mining. Um, there's a lot of interesting things going on in Japan. Singapore is doing a lot of great things. Um, and then, you know, different parts of Europe are doing interesting things. But, but the interesting thing about crypto is 
the entrepreneurs and the people in the space are extremely mobile. So they can go anywhere relatively quickly, set things up, you know, uh, very easily. And, and as such, um, the jurisdictions kind of get to figure out what they specialize in and what they can become really good at, really trusted at, and they can, they can hone in on those skills and, and they can become centers of X or Y or Z. Um, Malta, you know, another great example. Right. There's a lot of spot exchanges based in Malta. And if you're a spot exchange, you know, you should definitely think about Malta. Um, so th- th- this is kind of one of the great things about the space is just there's different, there's different places you can be based out of. There's different places you can be doing things out of. And uh, um, I think that's really healthy for the ecosystem. I do as well. And, and I think it's going to have uh, the unintended consequence of making uh, say it, it, it breaks out even further, uh, the, the crypto space uh, of making these regional governments and regulators compete for your, uh, for your business or for our business, however you want to phrase it. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really, really encouraging. There is another distinguishing feature, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around, uh, which is that you are not going to settle in the traditional ways that we understand it in the sense of uh, cash or fiat, that you're going to stay you're going to stay crypto through and through. Um, and I'm David Gerard, author of Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain, and you're listening to Milk on Coinspice. Along those lines, you've chosen to go with the what is known as a stablecoin, Tether, um, as, as kind of uh, your underlying asset. Um, I'm, I'm, am I phrasing that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've gone with Tether... We, you know, we looked at all the stable coins. Um, so, and, and it was not actually an easy decision. There's, there's, ask, yeah. uh, there's pros and cons to basically every stable coin out there. Um, so, but the thing that excites us about Tether is that it's the longest running. Um, it's got the kind of the, the longest track record and it's the most liquid. So when you look at um, different Chinese uh, spot exchanges or Asian spot exchanges or even Western spot exchanges, Tether is very, very liquid. You can, you can deposit a Tether much more easily, in many cases, not in all cases, than you can deposit fiat currency. Um, I think Tether is probably, at this point, almost more useful to buy crypto than a, a US dollar. Um, okay. And the cool thing about that is it makes it very easy to move funds through the, the crypto ecosystem and kind of do arbitrage, whether you're doing arbitrage, doing remittances, making payments. Um, Tether's been a really, really useful in- instrument for trading firms, for you know people using crypto, all sorts of things. And um, the, the downside of Tether, obviously, is it's, it's a bit volatile. So it, it's usually around a dollar. Uh, it's, it's not exactly one dollar. And that can cause issues for people, too. So we, we want to use Tether because we want to be able to receive deposits quickly, have that speed, have that flexibility, and, and, and have the, instru- the dollar-based instrument that is most common in the crypto space. But what we also wanted is for users who were worried about the volatility of Tether to have a way to protect themselves against that. And the way we've, uh, pr- we've chosen to provide is Tether futures. So... Tether again. This is crazy. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just uh, remarking. I, I'm just remembering what, what you're about to say. So yeah, this is this is an, an, an amazing little twist here. 
Yeah, it's it's actually it's actually a really cool product, and I think um, even on its own, a lot of people will will come to the exchange just for this product. Um, so it's a it's a tether to USD coin future or USDC future, um, and it's it's physically delivered, um, same as the Bitcoin futures we've we've been running with for for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, a physically delivered tether future. Um, where if you are worried or would like, or even you're not worried, but you just want to hedge against the volatility of tether, you can short tether or you can go long tether, um, against USD coin, which is the, yeah. that's the circle Coinbase. uh, correct. Stable correct. Coin. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and by, by the, you know, the USD coin is very interesting because it is very stable so far, but it's much less liquid. Um, so it doesn't have the type of traction that Tether has, but it has the type of stability um, that you know people people sometimes desire. Uh, so there's kind of these trade-offs where Tether's really great for speed. Um, USD Coin is ba is really great for stability. Uh, with Tether to USD Coin futures, you can kind of get the best of both worlds. And um, you know, in general, we're we're really excited about the developments in stablecoins. I think they they solve some really great problems that the, uh, the crypto ecosystem has. And it's, it's, uh, it's, I'm reading about them everywhere now. Uh, 2019 is supposed to be their year. So, you know, dollars become really interesting, I guess. Yeah, seriously. And it's, uh, it is, it is, uh, um, it's as the more, the more layers to this that I, I, I discover with you guys, uh, the more and more interesting it, it gets. Um, so you you have, three principal cryptos that you're going to go with. Um, we're obviously the most excited about Bitcoin Cash and you've got a, a real chance there uh, to strike uh, something something kind of spectacular. But uh, let's see, Bitcoin Core BTC, Bitcoin Cash, BCH, and Ethereum. Uh, why, why those three? So uh, anytime you're thinking about derivatives, you're thinking really, really liquid, highly high volume, um, you know, churning kind of strategies and, 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 you know, highly vol high, high volume instruments. Uh, it, it naturally makes us focus in on the coins that are trying to become money for the world. And, you know, it helps that I, and, you know, the people involved in CoinFlex have a predisposition towards, um, coins that are trying to be currencies and trying to be money. Uh, but I think, Futures also lend itself towards that as well. When you, if you want to do a, a futures contract on the 20th top crypto or the 50th top crypto, um, the risk you run as an exchange might be really interesting for a trader, but the risk you run into as an exchange is there's not enough liquidity in, the, in, a, in a kind of volatility monsoon. There's not enough liquidity to liquidate orders. There's not enough liquidity to run risk and all these things. And then you can get you know, in a situation that causes problems for the exchange. And also the volumes don't really justify that type of risk. So the volume is actually lower and the risk is actually higher, which make it a much worse trade-off to deal with a 20th or 50th coin um, versus dealing with the main most liquid coins. Sure. So, um, so yeah, it's BTC, BCH, and ETH for now. Um, we may add more as we go. We, we would certainly like to add more. But we also want to focus in on the top coins, the most traded coins, and creating lots and lots of different products around those coins. Because I think there's, there's a lot of exchanges that are doing every single coin under the sun. Um, 
but not many exchanges are trying to do, you know, five, six, seven different products on BCH or BTC, you know, that's, that's very exciting to us. Yeah. And it seems to me that you're coming in at, at a really interesting, so you guys are set for February. Yeah. Do you have a, a specific date or are you still kind of holding no. back on that? Sorry. No, not yet. no I don't, I don't have a date yet. Okay. And looking at your competition or, you know, you, you've kind of outlined the, the differences here, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, does it, the backs of the world, uh, the BitMEXs who have a hundred X leverage and so on, because you guys are also lending um, as, as well, right? So, yeah. So the lending in our name stands is uh, basically is hinting at what we're going to be creating once the physical futures become very liquid, which is the foundations for a basis market. So it'll be a futures exchange and a spot exchange. And we also want to create a market between futures and spot. So basically a way to spread trade, buying one spot Bitcoin or Bitcoin cash and selling one Bitcoin or Bitcoin cash future. Um, because doing that in one trade allows you to do things like borrowing or lending, which become really interesting with physical futures and aren't really possible with cash settled futures. So a basis market is why, uh, is, is in our plans. And that's why we have the name, uh, coin flex with the, the lending. Um, that's, that's, that's why there's that part of it in there. Got it. Got it. And when backed was announced, um, and they, they're, they've been pushing it uh, back as it were. Um, since then, um, <laughs> uh, I'll be here all week. Make sure you tip your waitress, try the fish. Um, so Caitlin Long, um, came out, uh, columnist for Forbes, uh, Wall Street, uh, um, a former Wall Streeter. She came out and was very, very concerned about, I always kill this, rehypothification and spot prices uh, maybe some uh, issues with, uh, I think she was talking almost like Federal Reserve-ish um, uh, uh, sort of inflationary type issues. You, I mean, without getting too far in deep here, because I've kept you on far too long and you've had a long day. Um, no, okay. <laughs> without getting too into the weeds here, um, how do you guys take take that issue on and does it even matter? I'm not, I'm not worried about the type of rehypothecation issues that Caitlin Long uh, mentioned. I think mostly what's happening there is just leverage. Um, being able to sell Bitcoins you don't have, uh, which, you know, being able to short Bitcoins naturally might scare some folks, but at the end of the day, it's an important part of uh, an industry maturing. The other thing is with, with BACT, um, are, my understanding is they are fully collateralized. Right. So further making it not an issue, but also um, making their product more similar to a spot market um, uh, and, and sort of a Coinbase uh, pro type competitor, um, which is really exciting, but it's not really, um, it's not really in competition with, with what we're doing. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, very, very nice. So lastly here, um, let's just, uh, let's talk uh, you know, about you personally. Um, how did you how did you find crypto? How did how did you get into this whole uh, rabbit hole uh, of a, of an ecosystem? Yeah, so I was um, I was studying business in London uh, back in 2012, and 
I, and Bitcoin was around eight bucks. I, um, I, I was kind of interested in cryptography. Um, the, there were some political interests there and, and, and some kind of philosophical and, and economic interests that, uh, you know, I saw Bitcoin and I said, hmm, this is interesting. I was looking at different money systems, um, found Bitcoin, went to a conference, um, Bitcoin London 2012 in September. And, uh, and yeah, it was just everyone was so passionate about transforming the, the nature of money and the shape of the world. And I said, I have to get all, get all in. And, and I, I emptied my bank account. Um, <laughs> a, month, a month or two later, I borrowed money. I bought, bought more coins. And, uh, and, and, you know, the, the appreciation of those, you know, allowed me to invest in, coin, in, in CoinFloor and start CoinFloor. Um, the, the space just kind of exploded um, after that. It was, uh, it, it, it kind of very rapidly took over. And I was, I was initially sort of uh, buying and selling in the UK, um, you know, kind of market making OTC and, and, you know, just brokering deals. And the, the liquidity was so interesting because it was very, very low volume and very, very high margin. And so, you know, you could, you could buy 10% below, you could sell 10, 5% above, you could do all sorts of things. Um, it's great as someone who's trying to profit from a bit of trading or a bit of brokering, but it's not really great for the end customer. So, um, and it's not great as, you know, as looking at this like a financial asset or looking at this like a mature market. So I, um, I basically said, okay, well, let's, let's, you know, let's join together with a few awesome people and let's create CoinFloor. And uh, Obi, my co-founder, and I, we, we created CoinFloor. Um, we, you know, for most of the last five years, we've been the main or the, the biggest exchange in the UK. And uh, yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Very, very nice. Well, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on. We, uh, we did this very fast. And again, uh, for those out there listening, this is uh, Mark Lamb. He's uh, CEO of CoinFlex, C-O-I-N. F-L-E-X, uh, set to launch a physically delivered Bitcoin futures market to, uh, to Asia here probably next month. And uh, some super exciting things, uh, especially with regard to, uh, to our, uh, our favorite uh, uh, crypto Bitcoin cash. So, uh, wow, man. Uh, thanks again. Best of luck and, uh, and uh, cheers. Anytime. Cheers. Thanks so much. Bye.